Welcome to This Grit and Grace Life. You've got questions, we've got answers. From the boardroom to the bedroom, car lines to college, single, married, or single again, we're bringing real answers to help you live and love your grit and grace life. Welcome to This Grit and Grace Life. I'm Darlene Brock. Hey girl, hey, I'm Julie Bender. You know, there's ways to do momming, all different kind of ways to do momming, but I think sometimes, even though there's several different ones, we all think that ours is right and we should tell <laughs> someone else how they're doing it wrong. <laughs> it is a inherent flaw of being a mom around other moms. I think that is just what we do. Yeah, and sometimes as mothers, I think we're afraid to take risks, to do anything that doesn't look right to someone else, mm-hmm. or it looks like you're raising your children differently. So is that good? Did you feel that when you were raising your kids? Uh, Julie, I could care what people thought for years, not care at all. Yeah, no. I mean, that's not entirely true. There were times where I felt a little bit of the mm, mom judgment, Mm -hmm. you know, and I'd go, well, okay, maybe. Oh, no, whatever. Yeah. You know, it would be like You acknowledged it, but you didn't succumb to it. Correct. You go, girl. Yeah. I mean, yeah, for sure. I mean, motherhood is full of complicated decisions and at the end of the day you just got to go with your gut. I think that we want to start this episode looking at some people who were willing to take risks and go with their gut in order to find their ultimate life purpose which isn't that what motherhood is? It is. Helping our kids find their purpose while fulfilling our own? Yep you bet. All right here's one. Danny DeVito's career started as a makeup artist when his sister offered him a job at her shop. Interesting. Uh huh. He enrolled in the American Academy of Dramatic Arts to learn from a makeup teacher, and while he was there, discovered his true passion was acting. Okay, I just imagine Danny DeVito like behind the mat counter at Dillard's. That yeah, was weird. He's really, but he could barely see over it. Let me just say that. <laughs> okay, this was definitely news to me. Sylvester Stallone was also an unknown actor struggling to make ends meet. So he wrote the screenplay for Rocky in three days. I had no idea he wrote it. Mm -mm. He refused to take any offer unless he was allowed to play the lead role. And that film paved the way for the rest of his career. Yeah. You could still hear him say, Adrian, right? Do you remember? Totally. Yeah. Okay. To increase productivity and allow his workers more rest, car manufacturer Henry Ford shocked many by nearly doubling the minimum wage for his workers in 1914 and reducing the work week from six days to five days. I mean, that was a serious risk that definitely paid off. It was. Decision-making areas of the brain are composed of roughly 80% excitatory cells and 20% inhibitory cells, which are just how they sound. The excitatory risk cells are mostly active in younger brains. Oh, so as we get older, we're willing to take less risk? I mean, it sounds like it. We get a little more set in our ways. Yeah, true. And have enough experience to go, man, that didn't go well last time, so maybe I don't want to risk it. I don't know. Okay, a surprising or unexpected reward after taking a risk causes an extra release of dopamine, the feel-good hormone. It's like you're proud of yourself. Yeah. And the fear maybe subsides because... The risk has been taken, and now you see that there was a benefit. So if you go on the craziest roller coaster at Bush Gardens and you get off and go, dang, look at me. Is that it? Yeah, Dan. (laughs) (laughs) 
Yeah. Okay. Well, sometimes working toward our purpose or what works best for us and our family requires risk and sacrifice. And I think that's the kind of bridge we're making in this conversation toward the incredibly crucial role of motherhood. And sometimes we just have to be brave enough to do things in the less expected ways. It's sometimes hard to break out of the norm or veer from the pre-written path, especially in motherhood, Julie, like we talked about earlier. But you know what? We do have proof that you can do it differently and still get it right. I mean, I think you're proof of that. But today's guest will also be proof of that. Why don't you tell us a little bit about her since you actually know her personally? I do. I've known her for years, and her name is Helen Smallbone. And she, along with her husband, David... They moved completely away from Australia to the United States. I'm talking halfway around the world. Literally across the world. With all of their kids. Okay. And they they then started building a career that involved the entire family. Hmm. They did things actually enormously differently than anybody else. But their kids now, grown, are very successful, very diverse, very unique. Hmm. And they took a unique path to get there. Yes. So today's guest is Helen Smallbone. She's the co-founder of Mum Life Community and a podcast host with Access More. Her passion is encouraging mothers and families with the God-breathed wisdom she has gleaned over 32 years of being a mother. Born and raised in Australia, Helen dedicated her life to Christ as a young teen at the Billy Graham Crusade in Sydney. How cool. Now a mother to seven, five boys and two girls, and grandmother to 13. She currently lives outside of Nashville, Tennessee with her husband, David, and a small menagerie of animals. Helen, it is so good to have you with us today at this Grit and Grace Life podcast. Mm-hmm. Pleasure to be here. Thank you for having me. Well, I know I've known you for a very, very, very very, shall I add four more varies, long time, but I'm excited for our audience to get to know you and Julie to get to know you a little bit better too. But before we jump in there, can you give me a little bit of background of who you are, your family, a little bit of that? Let's Mm -hmm. start there. Well, um, I'm 66 years old, so I'm actually (laughs) in sort of retirement age, but I feel sometimes very aware that God has different plans uh, from from uh, what we may have for ourselves. Um, I'm married to my husband, David, for 46 years. Wow. Um, we have seven children. Uh, we have what I call bookend girls mm-hmm. um, and then five boys in the middle. Uh, we are originally from Australia, um, but moved here 30 years ago. Um, we've been basically in Christian music for the whole time that Christian music has existed. Uh, and probably better known, not so much for our, my husband and me, but more so for our children. Um, our eldest daughter is Rebecca St. James, who had a long 20-year career in Christian music, which is where um, our paths crossed with Darlene and her husband, Dan. And then two of our boys, uh, Joel and Luke, are in for King and Country. So cool. Um, I just focused on the 46 years of marriage. That is so uncommon <laughs> in these the, in today's day and age. So congrats to you on that. I, I'm sure no, that would be a whole you. nother conversation if we had time for it. Uh-huh. Yeah, I've realized that a lot of people, um, when some hard stuff happens, I think they marry with a Cinderella syndrome that mm-hmm. life's going to be great. And mm-hmm. when some stuff happens, they pull out. Um, but the beauty of a marriage that is long standing to grow old uh, with someone 
and loving them and being loved and having such, um, I don't know, joint history yeah. is actually a wonderfully beautiful thing, which Darlene herself knows. Absolutely. Well, as much as I would love to talk about that, I know we're here today <laughs> to talk a little bit about more of the personal mom side behind the story you share in your new book, Behind the Lights. Darlene and I yeah. already kind of set up this conversation talking about how when you become a mom, it's so easy to kind of listen to the culture or even just the other moms that happen to be in the circles that you're running and assume that you have to do what's expected or what's you know, kind of normal with the other moms around you. And that is not necessarily your story I'm gathering. And I'd love to hear some of that. So tell us a little bit about, you know, what led you to want to write this story, your heart behind wanting to put these words on pages for us to read. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you. Um, we, we David and I actually lived a, lived a pretty normal life back in Australia for about the first 15 years of our marriage. And then when he turned 40, um, we had three pretty dramatic incidents that took place um, that we call with closed doors. Mm. Uh, the most dramatic being that we lost uh, $250,000 on a um, tour in Australia because David was in con Christian concert promotion in Australia. And we knew that this was going to mean major life change. Mm. And wow. so an opportunity arose for us to come to America uh, and it was the only opportunity that would allow him to stay in Christian music. Uh, at that point, Rebecca had done a little bit of singing um, and had been noticed by her Christian school as uh, given opportunities there for recording and, and doing some songwriting, etc. And so we, we decided we would come to America. Uh, we came with 16 suitcases, six mm -hmm. children and me pregnant with our youngest daughter. Um, we arrived in um, September 1991. We had just taken our kids out of the Christian schools, partly at the beginning of 91, partly because we knew they were going to take up space in, in a school and we were planning on leaving a few months later. Our departure got put back. We arrived and settled in Nashville. And by the time we sort of got settled, school year had already started here. And so we decided we would just keep them at home. Plus, we were under pretty dramatic culture shock. We had, we were on the other side of the world, no friends, no family. We were really um, living hand to mouth. We had no little nest egg that a lot of people would do if they were to tackle such a venture. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, we then realized that we needed to stay together and that we needed to just really seek God's guidance um, and his um, His provision. I mean, uh, because <laughs> the, bit, the next dramatic thing that took place was a couple of months after we had got settled in Nashville, so in November of 1991, David actually lost the job that he came over um, for, which was a management job. And so we then were really relying very much and living on God and living by faith. Um, and mm -hmm. so it was a pretty dramatic leave departure, pretty dramatic arrival. But I just, and I know in our, all our stories, there are going to be times when people will have, you know, doors close that just don't make sense mm -hmm. or hard times come. 
But I have seen the goodness and faithfulness of God. I've seen God care for us in very deep and meaningful ways. First up with just provision. I mean, food on the table. Uh, we were living in a in a house that had no furniture. The kids were sleeping on beds made out of clothes for uh, about the first two months of us being here. And uh, a local Sunday school class um, provided our house with furniture. Uh, and then once the community knew about us, they just, the church just loved on us. Mm. Um, and I, I think probably there've been more dramatic instances where we've stepped outside the box. Um, but I feel like we can do that when we know one that God is with us on this journey, you know, that we're seeing his hand on our lives. Basically we can pretty much do everything, but We've stepped big time out of the box because not only did we homeschool, but we all traveled on the road together. When Rebecca got signed to Forefront Records in 1993, um, we were very grateful. She was very young. She was only uh, 16. And so by that time, we had so cemented our relationships together as a family that we couldn't uh, consider her and David just going off and touring and we being left at home. Oh, so we Helen. decided we would. Let me jump, <laughs> let me jump in here. Um, uh -huh. Helen, you know, from my perspective, of course, we, we, my husband and the team at Forefront Records, we did sign Rebecca. And here's, here's my view of the small bone family pulling up to what we were, we were in the round building at that point. The uh -huh. small bone family had this van kind of thing that about a thousand uh -huh. people felt like you jumbled out of, you know, all of you tumbled out, came into the offices, would have meetings. And then Helen, what I remember is you got back in and part of the way you made ends meet is you went and cleaned houses. Is that correct? That's right. That's correct. So for those first two years, Rebecca, who uh, was ages between 14 and 16, and Daniel, who was aged between 12 and 14, they were pretty much uh, put food on the table. Uh, Daniel, uh, we started as a raking business and doing it as a family. Then wow. we were given um, a ride-on mower and a push mower, and we started doing uh, mowing jobs. And uh, Rebecca was got very well known in our local community, both as a babysitter you're not the oldest of seven kids without some skills. Exactly, <laughs> um, absolutely. <laughs> and, and, and then um, we started cleaning houses. And some of the houses were so big that we would take um, uh, the, uh, either Daniel or Ben with us. So between all those jobs, we actually learned to work together. Mm. And that really was a foundation for us then going on the road and 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 the, and it, we jokingly say that David saw cheap labor in in the, the boys. <laughs> okay, uh, I know David. I think there there could be a little bit of truth in that. I'm not quite sure, <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> and uh, and so we would travel. And uh, Daniel, um, when he was 16, um, he was shown how to set up and run the lights. Um, and then Ben was who would have been 14 was shown how to um, set up the sound gear with a with the, an 18 year old cousin of Rebecca's and so that was that was the beginnings of us mm. traveling and touring together and we basically continued that all the way through both Rebecca's career and then towards the end of Rebecca's career Joel and Luke uh, started singing together and doing support 
work for her as well as uh, Joel basically has been her background singer since he was 12 years old. It's very out of the box like we're talking about. It's and very out of the box. At the time, did you have a lot of people who kind of were speaking about it being so, you know, countercultural, so abnormal? I think our families probably. Um, my David's brother and sister-in-law are in education and my three brothers uh, are all in education, Christian education in Australia. And I do think uh, we did get some strange looks from them <laughs> and some comments about are we doing the right thing? Um, my, my one brother was a principal of a Christian school back in Australia, and I do remember him sort of sitting us down um, and sort of trying to work out what sort of education <laughs> we were giving the kids. And it really, uh, so yes, there was definitely a lot of suspicion as to, <laughs> you know, the journey we were choosing to travel. There are different times in our lives when we just, don't either understand a situation, don't understand a child, don't understand a behavior, don't understand how to handle something. And we can sort of go online these days and research. But for me, the best research you can do is leaning into your relationship with Jesus and actually saying, God, you know this child. I mean, you know them inside out. What do I need to do in this particular situation? You're going to have to need to give me some direction, either insight to the child's behavior um, or how to handle it. And that happened to me on two occasions. One was um, Rebecca had just started touring. She had not finished school. She was in 10th grade. She'd taken two years to complete 10th grade. And I... I still valued at least getting a high school diploma. Mm -hmm. So I was like, you know, schoolwork's important here. Uh, you know, you, you need to be focusing on this. And so she'd just come off one of her first tours on a tour bus. And um, I was, I'd picked her up from the bus and was taking her home. And it was just her and me. And I was like, so she was telling me about stuff that had gone on on the road. And then I, I, I just, my next conversation was going to be so, how did the schoolwork go while you were the last two weeks? And I just felt God say to me in my head, and excuse the words, but he, I felt he said, shut up. Mm -hmm. I, don't want you, I don't want her to do it. And so I just sat there and I'm, because you know how in your mind you think about a conversation and I'm thinking about how I'm going to approach this. When I heard that voice in my head, I didn't say anything. Hmm. I just let my question die and just listen. And I realized in that moment, and and I've, later on I did mention it, and she said, it's just so hard, I feel so pressured. If I'm not songwriting, I'm out performing, and then I've got schoolwork. And, and I knew that God did not wish her to finish her schooling. Hmm. So Rebecca basically finished grade 10. And it has not impacted her in any form at all. She's recorded 10 albums. She's written 12 books. She's made movies. Um, you know, she has life skills, you know, that are, I think, are pretty grand. And she's done stuff and impacted a generation of girls. So it really taught me something. And then there was one other time when we were touring with her for about a year 
and I knew I, uh, in looking at kids' schoolwork, I just didn't know what to set, how to, how to, what my expectation should be. Because after, when I, we've done a day of a concert, which is really about a 12 hour day, I can't expect kids to do anything. I don't want to do anything. Mm -hmm. And so I went to Jesus and I just said, what am I to do here? What's my expectation for a school year with them being so active out on the road and working so hard? And again, I just felt his voice assure me that I will teach them what they need to know. And so basically I set reading. And then when we came home and we'd had a day's or two's rest, then we would tackle actual bookwork. But out on the road, we didn't really tackle bookwork at all. We just, um, I just provided reading that was stimulating and, and interesting, both on history and, uh, and the sciences. I have seen the fulfillment of both those promises that, you know, Rebecca was not meant to finish school and that the kids, that he would teach them what they need to know. You know what, Helen, I, I want to jump in here because I personally love this. I think we put so much stock in what education offers. And I'm not saying it's, it's a bad thing. It's a great thing depending on what God made you to be. That's it. But how often do we spend so much energy on what is considered the prime parts of education, and we ignore the arts, we ignore the creatives, we ignore, you know, that, that gets, that gets pushed and we, down. And we ignore the spirit. Like, you know, uh, I look at a lot of our colleges these days, and I, uh, frankly, my heart aches sometimes when I see good kids going into the college system, particularly the state college system, mm-hmm. because it just seems like they're, they're, their sheep being thrown into a den of wolves. And so I agree. I feel like as Christian parents who love our kids, we know that when we become a mum, that that child is their own person under God and that they have a purpose, that God has a purpose and a plan for their lives. And for me as a parent, it is my job to encourage the child on their journey to seek out who God has made them be and what is the reason and purpose for their lives. And when a child discovers that, then it's my job to encourage them, keep them God-focused and keep them focused on what God has called them to do Mm -hmm. and to grow them into who God has created them to be. And it's just a different way, I think, of viewing life where we're, we're viewing it under a godly perspective more so than a cultural perspective. Mm, so true. My my eldest daughter, Lauren, went to Biola University because she always wanted to go into film, which is what she has successfully done. But when she went, uh-huh. every semester she would say, Mom, what should I take? And I said, Bible and film. Okay, next semester, what are you going to take? How about film and Bible? Because uh-huh. that was all, I didn't care about anything else. I really didn't because I knew she was not going to complete college. That just was not going to happen, which was fine. But what I wanted in her was both her craft that she was wanting to develop and a foundation that enabled her to withstand what she would be facing when she got there. And I think those are the tenets of motherhood for Christian moms. And that does not mean you stay in the box of four-year college, send them off to do this, send them off to do that. You do exactly what you said, Helen, and look at your child 
and who has God made them to be? What are their talents? What are their gifts? What are their passions? And you can Mm. usually find their talents by their passion. And Mm. when you discover that, then work on that. Forget all the other stuff because it's not where they're going to end up being. No. And and so many kids graduate with, uh, you know, a Bachelor of Arts degree, made some big four choices through through college and then never use that again in their life. I mean, you know, like never they 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 go somewhere where their passions are. They've they've completed an education, but they don't it's not actually where their passions are. So we went a different route. I mean, it, it's it's controversial. I don't. I, I, and again, I I feel that God gives us a living word that is specifically for us. It obviously, it lines up with the Bible. And and really, when we stepped out of the box and we did things so differently, He did give us direction, and He cared for each of the kids as individuals. Like you know, yes, the kids in the early days were working for Rebecca, but He was teaching them their own life skills, their own, he was developing in them their own passions. And, uh, you know, now all of those boys are actually working uh, in some form or another with King Country. Daniel, uh, the eldest, still runs and programs and designs the stage and um, lighting for the boys. Um, Ben um, is in film we gave him a video camera at 16 and that's where his passion for film came in and he has uh, both doing uh, film as well as all the music videos uh, that the boys do then there's Joel who's in for King Country Luke who's in for King Country and then our youngest son Josh is a day-to-day manager for um, the boys and then pretty much for the rest of the family as well (laughs) (laughs) So it's it's definitely been interesting. I would be curious, you know, if you can recall some of the conversations you had with your kids during this time, because certainly they must have been aware that the way your family was pursuing life and, you know, uh, providing for your family and kind of the focus and being on the road and maybe allowing a traditional education to be on the back burner. Certainly they probably recognized that that wasn't what was you know, average what was happening everywhere else. And so what were some of those conversations like with them as they maybe, you know, had questions about that? I think the hardest thing, um, one of the harder conversations was when the boy, when we would come back off the road and they would go back into youth group, into their friendship circles, they felt um, disconnected. You know, kids were in, in the local schools, friendships in the local schools, and they were talking about stuff that was either going on there right. and or, you know, on TV or whatever, and, and our kids just couldn't sort of slip into those conversations easily. So that was probably hard. Um, ben, um, who's the second eldest a son, he found traveling and being on the road and not having his own life and identity, he found that hard. Mm-hmm. And he was actually the first to leave the road, I think at age 19, um, because he said he just wanted to pursue what his own, his own arena and his own work. So there were times when different ones um, were expressing needs that went beyond um, probably the the family. I remember a conversation with Daniel 
um, who said, Luke, I think you've made a mistake in having him homeschooled. He would have thrived in the school system. And he's such a talented sportsman that I think you've done him a disservice by not having him in school sports, um, that he could have probably used those then to go to college. So we did end up getting him attached to the sports program of a local school. And at about 16, maybe 17, we did take him, say, you know, you're going to make a commitment to the local basketball team and uh, you'll you'll go off the road um, and we'll we'll find other place people to um, to do your work on the road. And then um, he he did make that active commitment because it was <laughs> stimulated by my eldest son. Mm-hmm. And then he um, on one of his first games uh, sort of with the school, he tore his ACL and uh, he know. knew that his career, any career, any future in sports was um, was gone. Mm. And that was a hard conversation because that was a direction that he had thought that he was going to go. And then God closed that door and he was very overwhelmed as to then where, where was he going? Um, what was God going to do in his life? You know, your family as a whole, beginning with you and David leaving Australia and the doors closing there and restarting again, and obviously the, the, the story you just told, your family as a whole has seen that time and again of God closing a door or shifting a focus. How would you say that that has taught them, your children, on how they want to live their lives? I think uh, they're all Jesus followers, um, all very active in pursuing and following Jesus, which is, uh, as a mom, I don't think there's anything that is more, I don't know, fulfilling in your role. I mean, I've spent 32 years actively parenting, not that you ever stop, but um, that's from sort of starting with Rebecca to finishing with Libby when she turned sort of 18. You know, there's a there's a lot of investment that we give love time uh, in your children, and and to be able to know that they're all following Jesus is is a huge thing. I continue now in my own. I know that they're all adults; they're all doing their own thing, whatever. But I've so learnt over those years to look for the hand of Jesus that I continue to listen to their stories of what God's doing and I'll say oh wow you can see that God opened that door or you can see that God closed that door Mm -hmm. Um, just continue to lean into him as to his direction and just continue to look for his hand so I suppose my role now is to come alongside them and encourage them on the same viewpoint that I've always had in my own life which is if God's with me on this journey, and he's opening and closing these doors, then I can take an, one more step and follow um, in confidence and being thankful that he's with me there. And and so I suppose I've so learned that way of thinking that now I just walk alongside them and encourage them to, to see God's provision in their lives. Mm. I'm sure your book is full of many more stories or specific examples of that. But as we kind of wrap up here, what encouragement would you give to a mom who maybe is kind of nodding along, 
you know, sensing the spirit that, you know, God is calling her to do things a little more out of the box than what's considered normal or common in today's day and age. How would you, how would you encourage her or what wisdom would you share with her? Well, Julie, I think that's really my main motivation for writing the book um, to encourage others to step out of the box and to trust Jesus. I, I, I learned so because we were doing um, life a little more radically and because we leaned into being led by the Spirit, I learned so much more about who Jesus is, about his love and care for us, um, and my encouragement to anybody else who knows that God is putting on their mind and in their hearts that they need to go a direction that's countercultural, that's out of the box, step out. Mm-hmm. It's when Peter stepped out of the boat keeping his eyes on Jesus, um, that he walked on water. So my encouragement is God is not going to lead you to that new season until you take a step out of the boat, trusting him, keeping your eyes on him, and he will be with you on that journey because he is good, he is faithful, and the plans that he has for you are to prosper you and not to harm you, to give you a hope and a future. And that's what he will do for you. Helen, I love that. And I think our listeners will be real encouraged by what you have to say. And maybe step back and go, what do I need to do differently for this child that God's brought in my life? And I would also encourage them to pick up your book because I know, you know, I know your story. And I think it is so well worth reading and getting a little bit deeper in. Thank you, darling. I want to thank you for joining us. It's been a pleasure, Helen. Thank you, darling. Thank you, Julie. Thank you. I want to end this with a Bible verse that kind of wraps up what Helen said toward the end, and she may have even referenced it, but it is in 3 John, it's uh, chapter 1, verse 4. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. And I think at the end of the day, that is your number one goal. Mm -hmm. And then that truth also includes what God's created them to be. I definitely was encouraged hearing Helen's heart. And I'm confident that there's been plenty other mamas nodding along, maybe swiping a tear as they've been, you know, reminded that they know in their gut what their child needs and that there is so much wisdom and like she said leaning into jesus and what he has for you as a mom and what he has for your individual kids so you can go to the show notes to learn more from how to get in touch with helen how to join her community how to get her book and we definitely encourage you to do that as well so thanks for tuning in mama we trust that you were encouraged Thanks for tuning in to another episode of This Grit and Grace Life. Make sure you've subscribed and rated and reviewed the show so more friends can find us. You can also share about this episode on your social media or send it to a friend you think it could help. You can find everything we talked about in this episode on our website, gritandgracelife.com, where you'll also find plenty of other articles from other women answering questions you may have.